Hey, good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Bright Lights, uh, where our podcast focuses on achievers and achievements. Uh, we have an attitude that uh, you can be whatever you want to be, and we're here to help show you how. Uh, we invite anyone who thinks that they cannot be anything they want to be, and well, the goals have to be realistic, though, that just uh, contact us and we will tell you how and we're here to help you be whatever you want to be. We're not, you hear enough about all the uh, roadblocks in life and all the unfairness in life and why you can't achieve. Well, we don't have that attitude here. Uh, I just believe and I've always believed I could be anything I want to, to be if I'm willing to pay the price and the sacrifice uh, and show the discipline and the hard work that it takes to be that. And I think that's the key to anyone. So. <clears throat> Our guest this evening is a young entrepreneur who shows that you can be anything you want to be, uh, Miss Cindy Vavra. Cindy Vavra, she's the founder of a uh, fitness, uh, some fitness product, uh, Zaza, and we're going to talk about her journey uh, from <coughs> small town Minnesota to where she is now. Uh, hold on a second. Anyway, so Miss Cindy Vavra is going to be here with us. But as usual, we'll touch on a few things in the news and hope I'm not too wordy here, and then we'll bring her on. Uh, while I'm thinking about it, remember to go to my website, LisaJohnson.com, subscribe, click on the bell for notification, contribute to the podcast, and uh, take a look at some of the on, on our online store and uh, purchase some products. And if you want me to autograph them, send them to me, and I will do that. Uh, news story this week. What's happening this week? First of all, uh, congratulations to the North High Polars. As you know, uh, thank you. Uh, I'm a big supporter of the Polars. Uh, they took second place in the Class 2A in the Minnesota State High School uh, tournament. And Coach McKenzie, uh, he's just great at getting the most of out of out of his players academically and athletically. And once again, they did that. So congratulations to the North High Polars. News story. Well, a couple of things. I've been staying away from that whole war in Ukraine thing because uh, a lot of the way they're reporting it is really an insult on our knowledge and intelligence. And I just don't have time for it. But a few things happened this week that I'll talk about. Uh, first of all, uh, I, whenever I hear everyone with the same narrative, uh, every news outlet with the same narrative, uh, a red flag goes off. Uh, and one of the reasons in this context, and keeping in mind I have friends from college days, both Ukrainian and Russian, so I've been talking to them also. But there's a lot of historical, strategic, uh, military context to what's going on there that they're not sharing with us and goes back to the whole NATO Treaty Alliance and the Soviet Union when it was there, 
and concerns about buffers and things like that. But we'll talk about that maybe one of these days when I have time to get into that. Uh, but the only reason I'm bringing it up now, because there was two pieces of news that did relative to that that did catch my attention. First of all, we've sent troops to Poland. And uh, if you're old enough, like I am, to remember the Vietnam War and remember them sending troops into Cambodia and Laos and all the hidden things there that they kept away from the public, uh, it raises a flag. Uh, and then um, up until now, I've always heard that the Ukraine was one of the most corrupted countries on earth, in the world. And I have a business associate who travel there often, and everything he tells me tend to confirm that. Uh, but what caught my attention uh, this week was two things. First of all, those troops was one. And then secondly, uh, it's going to result in uh, food shortages. Uh, so now we're in a situation where we got inflation. Uh, I've seen eggs for $6 a carton. And so we're going to uh, top that pile up upon that food shortages, some of which is uh, caused by the fact that we get 10% of our uh, farm fertilizer from Russia. So those are the two things I'll be keeping an eye on. Now, we're going to also talk about education and end with that before we bring on Cindy. Uh, one other thing, and someone, my wife told me I got to talk about uh, uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock. And so keeping in mind that I'm one of those kids who, when we're going through the museum uh, and they're showing us all the great paintings by masters and sculptures by masters, I'm looking up at the ceiling and seeing the architecture of the ceiling and I'm uh, I'm looking at the stained glass windows and uh, maybe even looking at that little ant who's has this big chunk of food and he's moving it around. So I'm not looking at, um, there's different things I looked at when I saw that incident. Well, first of all, I, um, my wife and I had an opportunity to meet Chris Rock backstage at the Grand Casino when he was, he was here. And I was just telling someone a couple of weeks ago, Chris Rock, and I met quite a few uh, famous people, shall I say, athletes and playwrights and things like that. But of all the ones I met, Chris Rock was the most genuine, down-to-earth celebrity I've ever met. So that's what crossed my mind. He was just, just a wonderful person, man, uh, that I saw. And then, secondly, uh, they said that Denzel Washington uh, advised Will Smith that when you're at your highest is when the devil comes after you. And uh, that reminded me of the spirituality of Denzel Washington and his wife. And they've been together quite a while, too. Uh, and it reminded me uh, why we don't hear from people like Denzel Washington or Morgan Freeman who don't fit the uh, America is a racist country narrative. So we, it's very seldom you're going to hear uh, any of the mainstream media asking Denzel Washington or Morgan Freeman their opinion on anything dealing with race because they don't go with the mainstream media narrative on that. Or, by the way, or any conservative. Isn't it amazing that there's a lot of great, brilliant uh, black conservatives out there that you just never hear from, and they don't dare put them on television. So that type of censorship is going on. And just the spirituality uh, 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 of Denzel Washington. And then um, finally, just the, man, the arrogance of someone like Will Smith. And, you know, I don't have anything personal against God knowing, but just to, for one rich and famous black man to walk up on stage 
and slap another rich and famous black man. That's that's just beyond the pale for me. And you have to be mighty arrogant and sure that nothing's going to happen to you uh, for you to do something like that. And just the swagger when he after he walked off and did it. And this is what I'm getting to, people. Look, whether we like it or not, there whole, there's a whole bunch of privileges in life. There's a rich and famous privilege. There's a money privilege. There's an education privilege. Uh, there's a family privilege. There's all kinds of privileges. Uh, and I'm not one to sit around and wonder or complain about other people's privileges. And I'll explain why to you. Look, you guys know I was born and raised in Natchez, Mississippi. Well, I consider that a privilege. Uh, I consider it a privilege that I was raised in an environment where we went to church and God was at the center of our lives. I consider it a privilege to be born and raised in a family of two parents where my mom and dad cared about us and the privilege that I grew up around all of my grandparents and my great-grandparents. I consider it a privilege that I had mentors in my life. I had great friends and classmates. I had great girlfriends. I had a culture of morality and ethics. I had a culture where hard work was valued. I had a culture where we had great music and great families and just great people around me. And I would not change that for with anyone anywhere past or present. I don't care how much money they got. I don't care how famous they are. And so in other words, I consider myself just as privileged as anyone else in the world. And I was raised by people who let me know I can be anything I want. I can do anything I want. Shut out all the negative things that my success in life is between me and God. And so I just consider that a privilege. And, and so instead of sitting around complaining about other people's privileges, and even if you didn't grow up in that situation, look, the best you can do, and this is one of my themes too, is make sure and do your best to make sure your children have some of the privileges uh, that I grew up with and change that, break that chain. Now, one last thing, uh, thanks Cindy for waiting for me. Uh, education, you know I'm a <laughs> stickler about that. Let me just give you a couple of statistics. 70% uh, of the people in prison uh, is reading at the fourth grade level or below. Two thirds without reading proficiency either end up in jail or on welfare. And these are just a few of the statistics. 85% of the juveniles in the juvenile court systems are functionally illiterate. And what's my point? People reading is very important. And if we allow these public school systems to keep turning out our children who cannot read, then we are doing a disservice to ourselves and we need to have more accountability from the public school system. And I'm gonna end it with this. Look, I told you I got a five-year-old grandson. I've been very dissatisfied with the level of, of educational service that the public school system has given him the past two and a half years, uh, but with COVID and everything else. And then after that's lifted, they go on strike. And this is what's getting me, and that's why I got to end with this. So I'm thinking, okay, they're off strike, and my son going to get back in school, hooray. And someone texts me, oh, oh, the school going to be shut down for two weeks, starting in April for spring break. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Do, do these people care about our children at all? They're not teaching them to read when by the time they graduate. They're talking about bringing in this crazy curriculum called 
critical race theory once again. So they won't be able to read, but they'll be able to understand the injustices in life and then we go out and protest about it. And we know what happened when they're not able to read. Uh, and so those are the things that's bother me. Oh, uh, they're now teaching sex education about LGBTQT in elementary school. And look, I remember, two story, we're going to wrap it up here pretty soon. I remember in the ninth grade gym class, our PE teacher, Coach Wilman, I'm going to tell you a story about Coach Wilman on one of these shows. Uh, they put in a film and showed us childbirth. And we as ninth graders were freaking out. We didn't know how to handle that. We didn't even know what to say to each other after seeing that. And I know our children nowadays, look, uh, I'm not a for shame to admit it. They seem to be smarter than we were. <laughs> but I don't care what anyone say. Teaching anybody in elementary school about anything about sex, I don't agree with it, and I think it's bad for our children. So where I'm ending up at is, look, if we care about our children uh, and their education, people, we need to let other people open up it and, and support school choice and support vouchers. Cause I guarantee you, like I said on my last show, I can, I can educate all these children uh, that they're saying can achieve. And, and, and we got that educational achievement gap. I guarantee you, give me your worst kids. And I, I know what I'm talking about. And I explained to the lady, give me your worst kids and I will educate them. No excuses. And by the time they graduate from high school, they'll be reading at high school level. They'll be doing math at high school level and they'll be interested in things. They have goals in life and they will be positive and they won't be sitting around whining and complaining about things being unfair and everything else. And they'll go on and leave the, lead a successful life. Anyway, that's my soapbox for the day. Uh, I'm going to end it and bring on uh, guests. Uh, remember, go out to LaceyJohnson.com and support the podcast. Our guest this evening is Cindy Vavra. And uh, so I'm going to bring her on, energetic, great smile. Hey, welcome to Bright Lights, Cindy. Thank you, Lacey. I'm honored to be here, honored and excited to be here. And I want to start by saying I agree with 100% with everything that you just stated. I, I'm totally on board with you on all of those subjects and your thoughts on them. Yeah, well, thank you. And like I say, sometimes it's a little different. I don't like talking about what everybody else talk about, but and I had to bring in the Will Smith. I felt kind of guilty. Mm -hmm. But hey, so tell us about Cindy and, and let's start off. Uh, Cindy, I normally like to know where people are from and tell me where you grew up at and we'll get into the lesson you learned and your, sure. your role models and things. But tell us a little bit about uh, early Cindy, uh, uh, you know, as far back as you can remember and, and where you were born and raised and that type of thing. Yeah, I was born and raised in southern Minnesota. I'm a true Midwestern farm girl, born and raised on a dairy farm, dairy and crop farm, and just about every other farm animal there is. Um, so I was, yeah, I was raised um, somewhat privileged as you were. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is a privilege. And look, it's a privilege to learn how to work early in life where you got to get up with the sun and you go mm -hmm. to bed when the sun go down, you're out there outside working all day in manual labor labor and a lot often a lot of time in the corporate world i'm this computer engineer i'm this it project manager i'm this hotshot manager and i think sometimes because you got to deal with a lot of people issues and things like that wouldn't it be nice to have a job where I, I have to come home and take a shower like it was when i was a little kid so i understand the great uh work ethics that you learned there so uh tell me some of the you mentioned somewhere i think you learned some important lessons 
about uh, the importance of like work ethics and and things mm-hmm. like that. Tell us a little bit about, and, and there's something called, well, you talked about the work ethic. There's something mm-hmm. called daily functional movement that you yeah. learn. Okay, well, now, now we're going to get technically, I guess. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, first off, you know, I learned from a very early age that, um, you know, I truly believe that we were put on this earth, God put us on this earth, not just to take care of ourselves, but to take care of everything that he created, including all of the wonderful animals and the, the beautiful nature that he created. So I was hands-on helping taking care of all of that, you know, from a very early age, um, especially having farm animals. You're up before the sun, yep, uh, working all day, working into the evening, you know, with milk cows too, family vacations where anywhere between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. on the same day. There was no such thing <laughs> as taking a whole day off wow, or a week right, off right. to go on a family vacation. So, yeah, I learned a very strong work ethic, um, including work hard, play hard. You know, yes, we yes. uh and get your work done before you can play, even in high school. You know, I'd be out bailing hay, kind of wishing for that cloud to come by and and rain so I could take the night off and go to a football game or the school dance. Um, but yeah, it really taught me a strong work ethic and, and appreciation for hard work. Um, but we played hard too. Yeah. We had a lot of animals, we had horses and ponies, um, riding them you know, playing with them, playing, uh, built our own softball field. I come from a family of five children, built our own softball field, our own ice skating rinks. Um, So yeah, every day was filled with functional movement, you know, meaning things that you need to do to get through the day uh, and daily life, whether you're on a farm or carrying a bag of groceries, picking up a child, that's all functional movement. So I learned the importance of building a strong, healthy body so I can do that. So I think you said there was five of you. Mm-hmm. Where are you in that, for lack of a better word, I hope I'm not offensive. Where were you in that pecking order? I was the youngest of five. So ah. I, do a, I do have a twin brother um, and, and he and I uh, were very close. We still are very close. But mm-hmm. so we grew up, we'd go up. He was a, a Golden Gloves boxer, but I'd go up and I'd spar with him in the hay barn, things like that. Oh, okay. Okay. And do do you have a favorite childhood memory, Cindy? I I, I love the ponies. Um, okay. You know, we'd all hop on the ponies and we just ride through the fields. You just, you know, the, the freedom of being able to hop on something and an animal that you're caring for and, and just go ride. Yeah. Play cowboys and Indians. Okay. Now, uh, a lot of people who grow up on farms either like the lifestyle and want to continue the tradition or they're saying, look, I want to get off this farm. Uh, which category uh, did you fall in or did you fall in another category? Well, as I became a little bit older, um, mm-hmm. yes, I was more like, yeah, I want to get away from this farm. Right, right, right. <laughs> I want to move to the city. <laughs> okay. Did you tell me what city were you born in, Cindy? What's... I was born in Albert Lee, Minnesota. Oh, okay. That's about yeah. 60 miles from here. So, okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good, good, mm-hmm. good. And uh, when did you, did you have any childhood goals or something you wanted to be at when you were growing up? And what was that? And, and why? Well, when I was very young, my, um, my dream was to move out West and be a cowgirl, a real cowgirl. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, in your mind, 
what would a real cowgirl do out west in 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 your time <laughs> <laughs> nowadays? Well, I'm going to age myself here, but uh, Roy Rogers, Dale Evans. I just wanted right, to okay, okay, okay. like, okay. heard the cows, yeah, things like that on horseback. Yes. And I'm assuming you saw Dale Evans in her cute little boots and her little oh, yes. outfit and her yes, hat. And you say, that's yes. what I want to be. And, yes. and, but here's the thing. Is there a particular location out west where they were still doing things like that? Or was this just some young girl's kind of a, a yeah. dream? And we know how dreams are. They don't quite always meet reality. Okay, good, good, yeah. good. Okay. Probably six or seven at the time, so I had no idea where out west was. I didn't. I don't think I even knew which direction it was. I just <laughs> wanted to move out west. So tell us a little bit about your current family and your children and situation, grandchildren or whatever. Uh, tell us about that and how much, yeah. especially if you're a grandmother. You, I know how much fun that is. So tell us a little oh, bit I love about it. that. Yeah, yes. I know. I love it. So <laughs> yes, I do uh, live with my significant other. We've been together for over ten years. Um, so we do live together. Uh, he's got a teenage daughter, and then I've got my own daughter, just one daughter, um, and she has a great uh, daughter. So her and her family live in Waconia, so not oh, okay. too far from your great town of Waconia. And yes. my yes. five-year-old granddaughter is your five-year-old grandson. Uh, yeah, the joy of my life. I love her. And we talk as the audience probably know we have a little pre podcast chat and you indicated mm -hmm. your connection with Waconia and I indicated mm -hmm. then I think it's such a wonderful little small town and I'm looking forward to go out there and spend some time in it. Now uh, what about uh, uh, post-secondary education uh, mm -hmm. university anything like that uh, what can you share with our audience uh, about your life after high school Cindy? Yeah, well, we were encouraged to, you know, my, my dad's dream was to have us all stay on the farm and work. So we didn't have a lot of encouragement to do anything else or a lot of direction that way. Um, and back in that time, too, I graduated in 1975. Um, women's choices were uh, secretary, waitress, school teacher. You know, there wasn't a lot for women back then. Um, so I just decided to go to vocational school and be a legal secretary. Okay. Okay. And as I understand it, that led to a 30-year career in the legal field. Yes. Uh, tell us I, a little bit about that and what did you do and how did you enjoy it or not enjoy it? Mm -hmm. um, I did enjoy it. I ended up working at a law office, um, again, in southern Minnesota. I did take a couple of college courses. I, I had my schooling in Rochester, Minnesota, took a couple of college courses in legal research, you know, just to further my education a little bit. But a lot of what I learned was in the law office over the course of years. And then I basically moved up in status from legal secretary to legal assistant to paralegal and working in the fields of, mostly of real estate. And then I also handled a trust for over 20 years with the firm, too. Okay. And now I'm getting ready to venture into a slightly uh, dangerous area here, though. Uh, Cindy, uh, legal fees. How much lawyers <laughs> charge, Cindy? Did, yes. was, was that back in your days? And, 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 and did you ever look at some of them bills and say, it's going to be hard for me to go home and sleep at night? Uh, how, what's yeah. going on with these legal fees, uh, Cindy? And I'm putting you on the spot. Here. Yes. You're I mean, not. I, I do agree with you, uh, you know, and then what was always pointed out to me by the attorneys was, well, we're not just paying and it's not just paying us, it's paying you guys, it's, it's paying for the typewriters, you know, back then, it's paying for the office equipment, it's paying the rent. 
Um, but yeah, they charge yeah. by unit basically. And I Ooh. agree, you know, and I have a small town, Minnesota. So our fees were nothing um, like they are today, especially in the larger firms up here. Yeah. And anyone who think our justice system going to ever be fair, because mm -hmm. in a way, and I don't want to uh, overstate it, but justice is like any other commodity. The more money right. you got, the more justice you can buy. And that's just the way it is. And yes. it's not coincidental that a lot of people, most of the people sitting in prison are poor people. And, right, right. And, and that wealthy people hardly ever go to jail or prison uh, because mm -hmm. it's baked into the system. And I guess it's baked in any capitalist system. But I'm not going to get on my uh, soapbox there. All I'm going to say is that uh, I think every defendant should have a quality defense team like O.J. Simpson. That would be my goal. Yes. It <laughs> can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the government. Because right. they're winning a lot of cases they shouldn't be winning. We're sending a lot of people to jail that we shouldn't be sending there simply because the government just got too many resources for the average person, unless you're very rich. And right. uh, heaven forbid if you're relying on a public defender. I mean, it's it just stacked against it. And, and, mm -hmm. and by the way, uh, I'm very disappointed with the people in the legal uh, profession because they, most of them don't seem, I, excluding you, Sydney, by the way. <laughs> but I'm disappointed every time I talk to someone in the legal field. They don't, they don't think anything is wrong. As a matter of fact, I told someone I once had dinner with the uh, one of the local attorneys who was the head of nationally of the Defense Attorneys Association, and he didn't think anything was wrong with it. And I'm like, boy, are we yeah. ever in trouble here? Yeah. I, I'm with you, Lacey. I did see a lot of that from the inside. And um, that's why I chose, you know, because we're a small town firm, we handled every type of case. So I chose to work in the areas of real estate and um, corporate law, you know, and avoid, uh, because I, I saw yeah. some of that. I saw a yeah. lot of that. And I agree with you. And I, it hasn't changed and it's not getting better. Yeah. And anytime I see someone plead guilty, uh, I don't automatically assume they did it. Uh, sometimes it's just, you just can't afford the legal fees. Yes. Or sometimes, especially if they're going after your family, you just plead guilty because you can't afford it. They're going to bankrupt you and stuff. And right. we can do better than that. Okay. Uh, so that's enough on the legal profession. And, and you know, I'm going to go, I'm not going to quote Shakespeare and say kill all the lawyers, but we really need to take a look at the economics of it and, and what injustices that it leads to. Now, uh, so. You eventually bought a stake in some type of large corporate farming situation in Sydney. By the way, before we get into that, the legal field and large corporate farming, uh, you're going to have to weasel your way out. But I'm going to give you all the chance to weasel your way out of it. Uh, so tell us about your investment and partner in this large corporate farm. Well, it, it was a startup business, you know, just like okay, okay, that's I am okay. now, now. So, yes, I didn't invest in it. Um, I married my now ex-husband um, mm -hmm. and we started very small. Um, okay. So I was, yeah, I was still working at the law office, but okay. back on the farm. Um, and because we were starting small uh, from the ground up, I was back out in the fields working. So I work at the law office during the days and then uh, evenings, weekends, back on the farm. We had no animals, but, you know, there's still a lot of um, manual labor on the yeah. farms. But my uh, legal background did help me as far as um, the real estate. And we did grow our farming business from 
you know, just a couple hundred acres up to over 10,000 acres. Oh, wow. And what exactly did you raise on this farm? So just traditional crops, corn, soybeans, um, some vegetables. Oh, okay. 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 Good, good, good. Uh, you, I'm glad you didn't mention, well, wait a minute. You did mention vegetables. Uh, what type of vegetables, Cindy? Because, you know, I, I can get on the soapbox about fruits and vegetables too, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you're going to weasel your way out of this one too. So what kind of yes. uh, vegetable did you raise? Uh, so peas, green beans, sweet corn. So, okay. um, and I could go on and on about, you know, a lot of the chemicals that are used, which I didn't understand at the time. I see you nodding, you're agreeing with me. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm really glad I'm not in that business anymore because I, when I realized the reality of what was being done to American crops, it yeah. was tough. It's, it's tough for me to look at that. Well, which I talked about the privileges I had growing up. Another privilege was food privilege. Uh, All yes. our food was organic. All yes. of it was fresh. Yes. Uh, when I wanted plums, I went out to a plum orchard and I had my choice of all colors and all sizes and I could pick them when they were fresh and ripe. Uh, All the fruits, plums, the pears, peaches, you just name them, blackberries. And our vegetables were organic. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know what a good tomato tastes like. And really, it should be illegal for them to call what most of the stuff they sell in the stores as tomatoes. And, and, you know, we just... We're just taking a wrong turn on a lot of other things. Right. Okay, so we we got Cindy the legal, paralegal specialist who works for these lawyers who overcharge us. We got yes. Cindy who uh, got into corporate farming, even though it was a little tiny one, so I can't go off on a soap opera there. It's not one of these big corporate farms, so I, I kind of like that. So let's uh, segue into what you're currently doing. Uh, Cindy, as co-founder of Zayzla Fitness, uh, why don't you give us a little background, first of all, of how you ended up being the co-founder of Zayzla Fitness? Right. Well, I just, I needed a change in my life, you know, working at the law office, sitting at a desk all day, um, obviously got divorced from my now ex-husband, left the farming and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Um, Having a good conversation with my daughter, who's now a mental health therapist, but having a good conversation with her and she goes, mom, you've always been passionate about fitness, nutrition, exercise. This is your chance. You can do something, you know, that you really want are passionate about and want to do. So I moved up to um, Minneapolis in about 2011, um, started working on getting my certifications in fitness and just learning everything I could about the industry. I happened to be working out in my condo gym and there was a gentleman there who had some um, devices that he was training with a client on. Um, He was very friendly. I just started chatting with him. And he explained to me that he had created these very rough devices uh, because he believed in instability training. Mm-hmm. And so I started playing with the products. Um, I, I got it immediately. You know, I could feel it in my body. Um, I started training with him. And then he told me that he wanted to build it into a business. So um, I was the first investor in the company. I invested some money so we could start doing some uh, a lot of R&D, some branding logos. Um, you know, working on some patents to cover the products, things like that. Okay. Now, to be honest with you, when I think of a 
young farm girl growing up in Abilene, Minnesota. I'm trying to figure out how she developed this passion for fitness and nutrition and everything. Uh, help me connect those two dots uh, for me, Cindy. Yeah, well, it's like you stated, Lacey, you know, I grew up the same way with, that you did, eating nutritious food, yeah, real yeah. nutritious food. And I, and um, again, every day was, even though I didn't go to a gym and work out, every day was functional movement. Yeah. And when I didn't do that for a few days or a week or a couple of weeks, or when I moved to Rochester and went to school, you know, it was a couple of months and I realized how horrible my body was started to feel. And and um, again, you know, my diet, if I wasn't eating healthy, you know, my body just didn't feel good. So um, I just was just on a quest to continue to uh, do everything I could to keep my body, body healthy and strong, especially as I get a little bit older. So I have to admit to you and my audience, uh, I, I, I really struggle when I come across something that I think I should know, but I don't mm -hmm. know. And one of those things was functional movement. Mm -hmm. And I did go out and look it up. But why don't you explain to me and my audience, what do you mean by functional movement? Sure. Well, functional movement is doing um, daily activities, everything we do in our life. Think about buying groceries, carrying that bag of groceries, or twisting to pick something up, um, picking up a child, carrying a child. Um, reaching up high to get something or squatting down low to get it. Um, it's true that if you don't use it, you lose it. If you start start to not squat low, you know, stop where your squat is, you're going to lose that functional range of motion. And a lot of training now is moving towards that, especially with professional athletes, because they're discovering that too. Tom Brady is a great example. He doesn't go to the gym and use weight machines or lift super heavy weights. He does more functional movement, movement well that will keep his body strong and healthy. Wow, you have piqued my interest, and I'm going to do some more research on that. As a matter of fact, I normally go to bed with a YouTube video. I don't watch it. I just listen to it. So tonight, yeah. because of you, I'm going to listen to a video on functional movement. So cool. let's go back to... Uh, Zaysa Fitness, and uh, I was curious about the name Zaysa mm -hmm. and the story behind it. So why don't you uh, uh, eliminate my curiosity and tell us sure. about So that. in the ancient language of Sanskrit, Zaysa means balance. So we wanted a name that was shorter, something that was kind of catchy, and we want this to uh, be known worldwide. So, you know, people say now, do you do yoga? We want people to say, do you do Zesa? We want people to know that connects Zesa with instability training and functional movement training. Okay. Uh oh, you know, threw another term in there that I want to make sure I understand <laughs> what you mean. Uh, instability training. What, what exactly are we talking about there, Cindy? So instability training is another thing that, uh, again, a lot of pro athletes are doing it, pro trainers are doing it, um, basically involves standing on a device or having your hand, you know, you can do planks okay, right, um, right, both right. ways, hands or feet on a device that's not stable. You know, if you think about our earth, it's not stable for walking around outside on rocks or un uneven surfaces, or if you're walking on ice you know, there's a lot of instability going on there. So um, we believe in a lot of instability training combined with like a single limb movement, single leg, single arm, because even just walking, majority of the time, you're on one leg. 
And that single leg balance is so important. Um, and instability training, uh, one of the main purposes of it is to improve your balance. We actually start losing our balance in as early as our early 20s. You know, as kids, we're running, jumping, playing. Mm -hmm. So we have that inherent sense of balance, you know, from the time we're, we're toddlers. But as we age, if we stop challenging our sense of balance, we start losing it. Good thing is, though, you can get it back. Wow. You want me to you know, <laughs> get on the phone in the morning and call you up about some functional movement and stability training and sound like, for some reason, sound like I need all of that. Uh, so now you spoke earlier about the products, the patented mm -hmm. products uh, you uh, and your co-founder uh, invented. Tell us a little bit about these uh, patented products. By the way, before you answer that, will I see any of them in Lifetime Fitness or LA? Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yes, okay, you so will. This... Okay, good. And, and by the way, and will the name uh, Zasa be on them, or are they by? Oh, oh. Well, yes, okay. yes, okay, cool. yes. So we, you know, we'll maybe get into that a little bit later. But yes, our we our goal now, what we're moving towards is a, a global launch, um, moving into high volume manufacturing, production, and sales. Right now, we're we're still building the devices in our garage. Okay. But okay. Uh, and and the devices are basically um, it's a progressive line of instability training devices, and what that means is um, different levels of the devices. So they're basically air filled uh, bladders with rotational top platform. Our original devices didn't have the rotational platform. We just had the air-filled bladders with platforms. But then we started playing, adding rotation, and we realized it was a game changer for us. It's it's the first product to market, uh, first patented product to market that has that unique combination of instability and rotation. Um, and what that does is, uh, again, improves your balance, but does so much more too. You're training um, many layers of muscles at the same time. And people will ask me, why would I want to stand on one of your devices when I'm working out? And I tell them, you know, think about standing on the ground and just solid ground doing a good old bicep curls with your weights. Now you stand on an unstable object and do that same bicep curl. You're getting a lot more muscle activation. You're not just working your biceps. Your core is engaged. Your legs are engaged. So it's really a true full body movement. So as someone who understands the challenge of starting up a successful business, uh, what are some of the challenges that you are or have seen mm -hmm. and need or have overcome so far in starting this business up? Well, um, and in the early days, I, I came on board as an investor and, and trainer, you know, working with the products, um, not at that time really intending to be much more than that. Um, and that we had some good people early on that were running the company, but they didn't understand um, manufacturable products. They didn't understand what was needed for that engineering, things like that. You know, we had no engineer on board, and that's so important. That's yes. probably the most important thing for a hard manufacturable product is, is having that engineering. 
Um, so, you know, we did a ton of, of R&D, uh, but there was a lot of time that was spent. Um, focus was lost at times. So that was one of the challenges, um, but we were able to overcome that by, you know, again, having a good engineer on board, solving some of the issues. We were able to create the products, but they weren't manufacturable in high volume. Um, the way that they were created. So one of the things we solved was to was to find um, a U.S. manufacturer who will be able to do that for us, uh, create in high volume, um, and you know as many products as we need. Okay, and I, I'm assuming the answer to this question, but I, uh, I'll ask you: Is this a private, or publicly held company at this time? At this time, it's just a privately held company. And I may say that we have, you know, our original products, um, even though we can't, you know, they're not made for high volume manufacture, we did use them for market validation and customer feedback. And right now they're in use by 25 professional sports teams, including our own Minnesota Vikings, Twins, Timberwolves, and Lynx, and many independent pro sports athletes, trainers, uh, sports medicine professionals, and quite a few other people too. So uh, I have to ask you this, too, for those people who are listening and interested in your company and what you're doing, who think it has a bright future, are there investment opportunities out there? Uh, yes. Okay, good, good. Right now we're actively fundraising. We're working on a round of fundraising so we can move into high-value manufacturing, sales, and production. And at that time, we'll be selling on our website, selling at vendor trade shows, selling through social media, um, through various channels. So we have everything worked out. We've got the plans worked out. We've got the tooling figured out. So we're doing that round of fundraising. So yes, we are actively seeking um, fundraising. So there are that opportunity is out there right now. Okay, so as a person who's familiar with the field, I know there was a time where Americans really got into exercise and, and things like that, which led to the LA fitness and the lifetimes and things like that. Is that still curve still going up? Has it leveled off? Is it going down as far as you know, Cindy? I mean, is there a demand for that going up or down or whatever? Yes. Yes, I think it continues to go up, you know, and we encourage people going to gyms and working out. We just encourage, you know, people to work out, to move. Um, COVID was a huge setback. For yeah, I was going to ask of, you about that. Huh? Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, if you want to get into that, I mean, COVID really hurt um, the big gyms, the Lifetime Fitnesses, LA okay. Fitnesses. You know, okay. we were all closed down. Not only were we closed down, but the message out there was gyms are dangerous. Don't go to the gym. Stay home. Lock down in your house. Not one word about okay. Build your immune system. With right, nut right. Nutritious food, healthy eating. You know, daily movement, even if it's going outside for a walk. You know, the message mm -hmm. was was pretty clear um, that it was dangerous to go and work out. So now, and I'm glad you brought that up. Did you, you guys had to shut down during that time. I'm mm -hmm. assuming. Uh, tell me about a little bit about your. Uh, current clientele because i know you have some athletic training services i know you explained to me earlier that you set up the facilities mainly for your equipment development and things mm -hmm. like that and i'm and it sounds like somewhere down the line you went oh we can offer uh training services also and i've seen some of your team tell us a little bit about that and where you're at uh, at that stage of your business development 
Right. And so we do offer group classes at the studio. And the reason that we did that, we, you know, created the product and then um, we decided that we wanted to format group classes so we could utilize them, you know, for people working out. And because of the progressive levels, it's it's for, you know, a, a wide and varied population. It's not just for the young 20 something who's in pretty good shape with the progressive levels. You know, we've had people ranging from the age of, you know, uh, 20s, you know, early 20s, up to their 70s in our group classes. And with the different progressive levels, somebody who's been coming for a while can be up on a higher level. New person coming in can start at that lower level and then work their way up. Well, speaking of that, uh, is there hope for a senior citizen who might uh, have been sitting around for a while and uh, we don't think our muscle can quite take it and and who may have had a yoga class or two, and we go, mm -hmm. heaven forbid, is there still hope for yes. senior citizens? I'm going to give you an example of a gentleman who walked in and he said, you know what, I just retired from business. I always had the excuse that I was too busy. I was in the corporate world, very high level job. Um, so I retired, I've lost some weight by walking and biking. Now I wanna get strong. I've never been to a gym before. Um, I don't know if I can do your group classes. I've got a hip replaced. I've got a knee replaced. Ooh. I've got arthritis in both wrists. So he, but he was determined. And I said, yes, I'll start working with you. We started on the very low level devices. Um, I personal trained with him for about six weeks. And then he said, I think I'm ready to come to your group classes. So at close to 70, he was in our group classes next to those 20 somethings. And the thing is he worked hard, um, continued to come to regular classes and he was up on a level three, which is, is pretty, uh, pretty advanced. So when the newer young 20 somethings came in, they're on the low levels. He's up on his level three, feeling pretty good about himself. So yes, there is, you know, the key is to uh, start, you know, at lower level um, which most people do when they come to our studio, even if they are in pretty good shape. Well, I love that story. So tell us a little bit about where you're located and your hours uh, of operation and things like that, that, you know, if some people listening, especially here in the Twin Cities, uh, mm -hmm. would want to get more information or participate in some of the things that you're offering. Uh, tell us a little yes. bit about your location Just and thing, hours, et cetera. Sure. So our studio is located right downtown Minneapolis. We're about a block and a half north of the Vikings or the U.S. Bank Stadium. So right on Washington Avenue, we're in the retail um, shops, street level retail shops of Bridgewater Lofts Condominium. Uh, we do also have free indoor secure parking. So we do have metered street parking, well, but, you know, especially in the evenings, if somebody's, you know, or if it's raining as it was today or snowing, it's nice to be inside where it's warm. Um, so we have classes seven days a week, either two or three classes a day and a different variety of classes all the way from power and strength, which is more traditional movements like lunges, squats, things like that, you know, planks, mm -hmm. um, to kick a little bit of kickboxing. Uh, so we get pretty playful with the devices. And then, uh, we do some hit high interval intensity training, but most of our classes are very low to no impact. So there's not a lot of jumping, which can be tough on your joints, you know, especially mm -hmm. if you haven't worked out a lot. Um, so it's all about functional movement, strengthening your core, strengthening all layers of your muscles and improving your balance. 
They tell me I need a lot of core work, Cindy, and I might have to come down there and get you, get on one of your programs for my core work. Uh, So I heard that you recently uh, were skiing in Utah. Yes. And that tells me uh, you're in pretty good shape. You're pretty energetic. How was your skiing trip? You know, it was great. Another personal story that I haven't shared with you Uh is that I have no ACL on my right knee. Um, I injured it when I was 19. I never did anything about it and it basically disintegrated. So I I would avoid doing things like downhill skiing or tennis, anything with lateral movements. And when I started working on our devices, um, that's when I really strengthened that joint. I did go to an orthopedic surgeon. He looked at my knee and he goes, I don't see any reason to do surgery. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. So I was able to strengthen everything around that knee joint. So yeah, I was pretty happy. I haven't skied for seven years, um, but to go out to Utah in the mountains and ski, I felt stronger and healthier than I ever have. And I, I do attribute that a lot to our products. I, you know, as you know, I'm very passionate about our training and our products and it's because of the way it makes me feel. So a question that I would ask a barber every once in a while is who cuts your hair? So I'm going to kind of apply that question to what you're doing. Uh, do you have a personal trainer or are you your own personal trainer? When you need personal training and things like that, do you go to someone uh, that's currently part of your company in your gym or do you just do it all yourself? Because some barbers do cut their yeah. own hair. But... True. <laughs> well, I don't cut my own hair. But, uh, <laughs> I do pretty much just train myself. But saying that, I'm always learning. Um, my, my mind is just constantly wants to learn more about you know fitness and athletic training. So in connection with that, I am following some high-level trainers on social media that do believe, you know, what we do with the functional training. So I do follow them and then I mimic some of their moves and what they're doing. And then I read everything I can get my hands on too, on research on, you know, different moves to do and benefits for the body. Okay. So I read somewhere and I want to get this correctly. You are a member of the North Carolina Center for Optimization of Military Performance. Yes. Yes. What what does one do when they are a member of the North Carolina Center for Optimization of Military Performance? Well, this was a a great surprise for us. We always intended to get our product into the military somewhere down the road, you know, because we believe uh, that could bring benefits to the military. But I was connected with them, with this um, consortium, this new consortium that was creating uh, recently, but I, uh, I think it's less than a year old. Um, and they basically heard about us and they wanted to do a Zoom meeting. So I did a Zoom meeting with the heads. They looked at our website. Um, you know, I told them a little bit about our products. They got it immediately. And they said, we'd love to have you as a member because um, in the military, there's so many injuries, especially to knee joints, ankle joints. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think about the service members walking outside on that rough terrain, not only walking on the rough terrain, they're carrying heavy equipment, sometimes imbalanced heavy equipment. They need the core strength. They need the you know joints to be in, in good shape. Um, so this consortium was formed to try and figure out a way to uh, prevent and then rehab from some of these injuries. So they heard about us, asked us to be a part of it. We're 
one of just two fitness companies that, um, and I can give you the name of the other one is TRX Elite. We're the only two fitness companies that are part of this consortium. And in talking with them, um, they said, yeah, we can see the benefits of your product, you know, not only for injury prevention, but they said, we really struggle with challenging our special ops guys yeah. and, and women, you know, uh-huh. our special uh-huh. ops forces, because uh-huh. their training is so high level and our high level devices, um, they feel that we can challenge them. And I, I know I've been on our high level devices. They're, uh, they're tough, even for pro athletes who, who are in great physical strength. These, these products do really challenge them. So often we hear of uh, Navy SEAL trainees mm-hmm. talking about the water test. Is mm-hmm. there a chance in the future we will hear them talking about the Zaza equipment test? Uh, yes. Is that's where we're headed, uh, Cindy? Yes. And yeah. that, that says to me that if that becomes part of the military training, mm-hmm. uh, Zayla Fitness is a pretty good investment at this time. I think so. You know, we always intended to do muscle activation testing with our products. Um, once mm-hmm. we have the you know close on this round of fundraising, um, we did meet with the director of USC um, research. They do a lot of training for Nike, Bowflex, and they looked at our products and said, yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to have really good results with this test. But talking to the military, they said, we would love to do some of that testing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are working with them on that because they said we do, will have a lot of funding for that type of testing. So, you know, oh, what better testimonial than to have um, military backed um, yeah, testing on our products. And we'll have that scientific data then to prove what we're saying. We know, you know, when you stand on our products, you can feel the muscle activation, you can feel the core engagement, but we'll have that data to, to prove what we're saying and what people are already feeling. Wow. Now, you mentioned earlier, and we touched on it slightly, about the impact of COVID and everything, mm-hmm. and where I'm going, and well, Cindy, it's my show, so I can throw yes. in these few things, you know, but yes, sure. uh, <laughs> where I'm going with this is that I recently talked to, well, I've been talking to many business people in downtown Minneapolis, and they're just disappointed in the way they've been treated, and I just recently talked to Someone had actually they started a Planet Smoothly franchise and they put a half a million dollars of their life savings in to this uh, business downtown Minneapolis. And because of all the, I think, unnecessary strict rules and stuff, they are just really struggling just to stay on board. And I know so, uh, quite a few small businesses, they basically lost just about yes. everything they and it was just so unnecessary and I sympathize with them. But it sounds like uh you guys uh, uh survive the challenge. And- we we did, uh, but to your point, yes, it, you know, we were shut down for a total of about six months and when we were open, we had to mandate mask use, um, limit the numbers. And again, you know, with everything going on downtown Minneapolis, uh people don't want to come downtown Um, and a lot of small businesses right around us are closed you know some bars and restaurants it used to be such a vibrant scene well the whole city used to be so vibrant and it right it it pains me to go downtown now Mm -hmm. especially in the middle of the day or even during rush hour it just pains me to see what they've done to the city and i've been uh, pretty public about it 
it's incredible that it, they reelected the mayor who I think mm -hmm. is behind the whole thing, but it shows you what we're uh, up against. So let's talk about, uh, we're going to start wrapping up here, Cindy. Uh, our program is about overcoming, I call it perspective, attitude, the parts of life, perspective, attitude, how you react to things, just tenacity and a certain spirituality. So along those lines, I'd like for you to talk about some of the obstacles that you run into, the challenges, and how how were you able to overcome them? Because I, you know, people think, uh, well, I just have the attitude that life can be tough and challenging and unfair, and you need, you know, the perspective, attitude, how you react, tenacity, and, and spirituality to just deal with it. And by the way, if you have that. It becomes a little fun dealing with problems <laughs> yes. and issues, you know. Yes. Nothing, nothing really, nothing really throws you off your game. So tell me about uh, some of those obstacles and, and challenges that you had to overcome, and mm -hmm. how did you do it? Well, you know, it's it's tough. Um, to talk to most startup founders, and it's it's one of the toughest things there is because. There's a lot, you make a lot of mistakes, you know, you deal with a lot of, of no's, you know, in different areas. And, you know, what I've learned is you just have to learn from those mistakes. You have to brush off that no and go, there's a reason it didn't happen that way. There's something better down the road. You know, I do have a very strong faith in God and I know yeah. he put this dream in my heart and he wouldn't have brought me, you know, this far with this if he didn't intend for this company to be, you know, hugely successful. Um, something that has really helped me was to read the stories of other founders and hear their, their stories. You know, even Nike, um, mm -hmm. there's a book called Shoe Dog. And he went through hardships of over 20 years before he became even remotely successful with the Nike company. And people don't realize that. They see the Nike Swish, think, oh, develop the shoe, put the swoosh on it, you know, success overnight. And that's not the story for most um, startup companies. But because of all the hardships you go through, you do learn and grow from those hardships. And then you appreciate when good things do happen. Well, you're giving me some more homework here on the shoe dog. Oh, shoe dog, uh, great book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and I, there's a couple of books uh, out there that I've read. Uh, one of them I talked about it earlier, The Fish That Ate the Whale, that talks about the uh, development of the banana industry uh, in the U.S. But And this is not a book. I saw a documentary on the invention of the transistor. Okay. And if you ever get a chance, watch that. And, and you're talking about a beat up on a uh, high wire and, and, and overcoming obstacles and anything you can think of and just starting off with uh, basic uh, scientific principles that was totally wrong. And, and the all it was three of them and the infighting. And, and, and you wonder how this thing ever got uh, uh, done. But I, I, I love what you're saying about just the tenacity and hanging in there. And the other thing that you kind of hit hint on, and this is where the spirituality comes in, that that you really don't look at anything as a failure. No. You just look at it as part of. It's kind of like uh, Thomas Edison uh, inventing the light bulb. You know, <laughs> is that right. I'm just I'm just, just closer <laughs> to the success and, 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 and things like that. So I really appreciate that in you. And, and in fact, uh, you kind of assume that God just have bigger things in yes. mind for you and you learn from that and and i'm saying looking back 
on things that has happened to me. Uh, I can, I've always had that attitude. And uh, I tell people probably the biggest professional failure was when they closed down our quality charter school. I mean, that just hurt my heart. Uh, the fact that we were, we were a great school educating our children, but because of all the politics and other silliness uh, involved in public education, we basically lost our school and we were educating these children. So anyway, thanks for your attitude in Overcome because it's consistent with mine. So here's the thing. So then I'm thinking you're going to have to go and eat some nutritionals food tonight. Yes. Uh, well, wait a minute. So do you mind if I ask you, what are you having for supper tonight with all your health and nutrition? Haven't you decided on it yet? Well, I haven't really decided on it yet, but yeah, okay. um, I do believe in balance in life. So okay, good. A, a good glass of red wine is probably in my future. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I normally uh, in our program, given our guest a chance to leave a positive message uh, with our audience. But right before we do that, uh, if you had to name uh, two or three uh, major components to uh, achieving in life, what would Cindy Barbara say to us and put you on the spot here a little bit, but what, what, yeah. what's one of the key components and things to that? I've given you my perspective, yeah. attitude, yeah. reaction, tenacity, spirituality, and maybe mm -hmm. yours can have some Perseverance. Perseverance yes. and, and faith. Faith yeah. in yeah. what you're doing. If you yeah. are doing what you love to do and what you're passionate about, just have faith, um, strong faith that it's going to work out. And uh, living in the moment, taking one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow or a week from now. Um, live in the moment. You know, life is short on this earth life is fleeting enjoy time with family and and live in the moment yeah and a good cabernet doesn't hurt uh yes. so <laughs> exactly. are, you, are you a red wine or a white wine person mostly red i do like white too especially in the summer a cold white is wonderful like out on lake maconia okay okay, okay. gotcha 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 and do i dare ask you a recommendation for a red wine the next time i'm out Ooh. shopping for wine you know it kind of depends on what you like um okay. i i like variety okay. so okay. yeah okay i got you okay so let's leave our audience uh you know with the positive message tonight as we uh go off the air cindy and i will come to your gym uh, next week. I, no, ho, ho, ho. I call it a gym. I, 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 I it's okay. Have, I, swear, I probably should have called uh, it works. a gym because yeah. people get kind of finicky yeah. about those type of things. But okay, come to your fitness center. Or, mm -hmm. uh, gym week. works too. Yeah, well, okay, we, okay, just okay, want you, we just want everybody to come in. I don't care okay. what we call it. Yes. And so I'll be over to visit you next week, but leave our okay. audience with some positive messages. And uh, I tell everybody, uh, I think of a diverse audience, but really uh, I would like to direct a lot of positive energy toward our young inner city youth from these tough communities who uh, hear all day, every day from everybody else, how unfair life is to them and all the obstacles and all the thing, bad things that's happened to them. And uh, I just 
have a distaste for all that. So I like to mm -hmm. leave them on a positive note and let them know that I really believe that they can achieve anything they want to achieve. So leave our, our audience out there with some positive messages, uh, yeah. if you will. Um, life is beautiful. God is in control. He, he's going to help all of us get through this. Yeah, I love that. And for those, I tell the people, you know, some people, you got uh, atheists and agnostics out there, but, mm -hmm. you know, those of us who know the scripture and who also know physics and astrophysics and quantum mechanics and everything yes. else. <laughs> yes. And we know about a little bit about this universe and how vast it is mm -hmm. and how complex it is. And I tell everybody, and you're probably familiar with Stephen Hawkins, the famous astrophysicist yes. in his book, The Theory of Everything. Yes, And he gets in there, and if you really understand science and physics, there is a physics of God out there. Yes. Uh, that, Believe uh, it. 100%. It, it maps, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're knowledgeable. And so uh, for those agnostics and atheists out there, I can mathematically uh, prove there's a God out <laughs> yes. there. Yes. Agreed. Uh, <laughs> okay, I well, love you. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we thank you uh, very much. Uh, Cindy, for joining us. Uh, thanks for bringing a lot of positive energy that we expect for someone who exercises a lot and eat well, mm -hmm. and you're going to always be happy. So we really appreciate you being on, and I look forward to visiting your gym and having you on again. And so good luck. God bless you. Go have a great get, uh, glass of Cabernet for me. Yes. And uh, I might just have me an IPA when I get home tonight. So That sounds perfect. Thank, thank you, you Lacey. Much. I okay. really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. And the feeling is mutual. So thank you very much. Uh, thanks, our audience, for listening in. I hope we uh, gave you some positive messages and things to uh, latch on to. And we invite you to tune in again next week because I think we got a famous comedian coming on next week. And uh, he's going to talk about his uh, journey to achievement and successful. So once again, Lacey Johnson, thank you all for uh, listening in. Hope we've uh, shared some knowledge with you that's of value. And go to the website, Lacey Johnson, and support the podcast. And good night until next week. Good night, everyone.